Esther chapter 6. On that night, the king couldn't sleep. He commanded the book of the records of the chronicles to be brought, and they were read to the king. It was found written that Mordecai had told of Big Thana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, who were doorkeepers, who had tried to lay hands on the king Ahasuerus. The king said, What honour and dignity has been given to Mordecai for this? Then the king's servants who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. The king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman had come into the outer court of the king's house to speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. The king's servants said to him, Behold, Haman stands in the court. The king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in. The king said to him, What shall be done to the man whom the king delights to honour? <laughs> Now Haman said in his heart, Who would the king delight to honour more than myself? Haman said to the king, For the man whom the king delights to honour, let royal clothing be brought, which the king uses to wear, and the horse that the king rides on, and the head of which a royal crown is set. Let the clothing and the horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man whom the king delights to honour with them, and have him ride on horseback through the city square, and proclaim before him, Thus it shall be done to the man whom the king delights to honour. Then the king said to Haman, Hurry, take the clothing and the horse, as you have said, and do this for Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Let nothing fail of what you have spoken. Then Haman took the clothing and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and had him ride through the city square and proclaimed before him, Thus it shall be done to the man whom the king delights to honour. <laughs> Mordecai came back to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to his house mourning and having his head covered. Haman recounted to Zeresh his wife and all his friends everything that had happened to him. Then the wise men and Zeresh's wife said to him, if Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him, but you will surely fall before him. While they were yet talking with him, the king's eunuchs came and hurried to bring Haman to the banquet that Esther had prepared. So, a <laughs> big turnaround in this chapter. Um, this uh, chapter and some of the others in the book in the book of Esther, you really need to kind of read together with the whole thing because it's 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 like picking up a novel from the library or wherever and just reading a chapter in the middle. You kind of got to know what everything that's happened before for this chapter to fit in. So um, I encourage you to go watch the preceding videos or read the preceding chapters of the Bible to make sense of the context. So, um, but basically the, the guy in this chapter, Haman, he hates Mordecai, wants him killed wants all the Jews killed. He didn't realize Esther was a Jew. Esther went into the king to plead for her life, but she asked for a special banquet and she was going to plead for her life at this special banquet to which Haman and the king were invited. So in this chapter, you know, all that's the setup and the king couldn't sleep. Now, um, in the Hebrew, it literally says his sleep fled from him. <laughs> Uh, I was talk uh, talking to someone about this and I said, um, you know, in the Hebrew, it, it kind of says that his sleep ran away. And the person I was talking to said, huh, that's what happens to me. <laughs> I'm sure you can relate that there are some times it just feels like no matter what you do, you can't sleep. 
And I think that the Lord did this to the king because he couldn't sleep, his sleep had gone, and he says, bring to me the records of the chronicles of the kings of Persia and read them to me. So he wants to hear some of his own history or possibly some of the history of other kings before, but he ends up listening to his own history. Now, it kind of sounds funny, but we all do this. <laughs> uh, we all do it in different ways. Some people, they like to go back to Facebook. You know, and Facebook even gives you those reminders, you know, on this day, 10 years ago, you know, this is what happened. Boop, and up comes a photo with a memory. People love looking at their memories. They love looking at what they did before. For me, I've written a couple of hundred articles on the website called Cora, just answering people's questions, mostly about the Bible. But every now and then, someone will give me a, an upvote and they or share one of my posts, and I think to myself, I wonder what I wrote, because <laughs> it was years ago. And so you go back and you go over what you have done. So, you know, we, we're interested in our own history and what's happened to us. It's a part of who we are. And that's what the King Xerxes does here. Except the Lord is in it. The Lord knows that the very next morning, Haman's going to come in with this elaborate plan to, to get Mordecai and hang him. Actually, it's crucify him. It says gallows in the, in the text, but it's actually a pole. And they're going to hang him on the pole, but basically it's crucifixion. And so there's this elaborate plan, but the Lord steps in and switches it, switcheroo, turns it all around on, on Haman so that he, through the night, the king realizes, oh, Mordecai saved my life. And that was way back in chapters one and two that that happened. And so uh, basically Mordecai had this, had overheard a conversation and he found out that the king's life was in danger. So he just reported the conversation and the king's life was saved. He could have not reported the conversation, but he did. And he was never rewarded for that. And so the Lord was in all of that. The Lord knew that in the future, there was going to be a moment when all of this would happen. And so the Lord caused Mordecai to overhear that conversation like five years earlier. So, the, you know, the gap, actually, it's not five. It's more like eight years earlier because the, the gap of... Um, I know I might be getting, anyway, it's definitely some period of time. The first chapter of, of Esther is like eight years before this. And then the second chapter of Esther is like five years before this. And um, so then we are five years after Esther marries the king. We're here at this moment where this is all happening. And so what happened is, is that the Lord knew that there was this need. So he set it up way earlier, years earlier. He had this all set up. He caused Mordecai to save the king's life, but not be honored. He caused the king to not know about it or to forget about it. He caused the king this night to be sleepless. Sleep ran away. He caused the king to pick up the archives and read, you know, have them read to him. Out of all the archives, there'd be a lot of them. It was this particular account that got read. And the king had enough curiosity to say, what did we ever do for that guy? Nothing. So all the coincidences have led up to this moment. And you would say, well, why did the Lord do it on this night? And I'll tell you why. Because for three straight days, Esther and her servants and Mordecai and all the Jews in the city of Susa have been in fasting and prayer. Remember Esther says to, um, Esther says to Mordecai, she says, I will go into the king and if I perish, I perish. But before she went into the king, she started with three days of fasting and prayer. So they cried out to the Lord for help. So how does the Lord answer prayer? <laughs> well, 
two ways. Number one, he hears your prayer before it's even prayed. And that comes from, I've written this down here, Isaiah 65, 24, that says, before you call, I will answer. So the Lord knows sometimes that to answer your prayer, he has to set it up in advance. And he does. The Lord answers prayer in a timeless fashion, outside of time, because he knows you're going to pray the prayer. So he can set up for his answer. And then, of course, when we go in to pray, then, uh, you know, it's, the Lord just is able to move. But the Lord sometimes uses the most normal things to answer the prayer. So in, you know, Esther's been praying for three days and then the king can't sleep. And you, a lot of people would say, oh, that's not an answer to prayer. You just couldn't sleep. No, <laughs> this is what happens when you pray. Things happen in a, mostly happen in a normal way. So the king cannot, there's nothing he can do to get to sleep. He's just laying there. His brain is empty. It's not like he's anxious. He just can't sleep. Sleep ran away from him, and so he calls for the archives, and then the one that gets brought is the story of Mordecai. So the, the Lord is in this all over answering prayer. Look, does prayer work or not? This story shows you that it works. And so, of course, then when the king hears that Mordecai hasn't been rewarded, he decides to, you know, how shall I reward him? And Haman just happens to be coming in the door. <laughs> Haman thinks to himself, what type of reward would I like? Because he's probably going to be rewarding me. And uh, so it ends up backfiring on Haman because he ends up having to do for Mordecai the thing he wants for himself. And he doesn't get to do the thing to Mordecai that he had planned for him, which was hanging him uh, on that gallows that he had built. So um, in the commentaries, there's a guy called Kaufman that I read, uh, pretty much read for every single chapter of the Bible I prepared because I just find him interesting. He labelled his section here, Haman gets the shock of his life. <laughs> and you can imagine, that's a very good description because Haman comes into the king's palace this morning thinking, you know, he's got the genocide of the Jews planned. Now he's going to get rid of the one that he hates. And later on in the day, he's got this wonderful banquet with Esther. And in one day, and we're going to read the rest of what happens in this one day in chapter 7, his, he gets the shock of his life. Everything is flipped. Everything, the tables are turned. Everything is completely the opposite of what he thought. And uh, it's a little bit like the devil, you know, thought he had the Lord crucified, but boy, were the tables turned on him. Psalm 139 verse 4 says, before, you know, it talks about the Lord and how he knows us so well. It says, Lord, before a word is even on my tongue, you know it. And of course, Psalm 65, 24, before you call, I will answer. And here in this chapter, before Esther had even prayed, she spent those three days in prayer, but before she had even prayed, the Lord had set up the answer to her prayer. It's a classic example of how the Lord answers prayer before it is prayed. I've had many of these uh, instances in my own life. I want to share one with you. But one evening I was driving with my family and we were visiting my parents who live on a property. They live out of town and have a gate to keep the horse in. They have a horse. And uh, it was raining and, and my wife says as we're driving up to the gate, oh Lord, let the rain stop. And like just as we get to the gate, like she would have prayed that no more than 10 seconds before we stopped the car. And just as we get to the gate, the rain stops. So I get out, open the gate, drive through, shut the gate, hop back in the car and the rain starts again. <laughs> Perfect gap, for, you know, about 30 seconds while we do all of that. And as, and I, you know, saying thank you Lord for hearing our prayer. And as I'm driving I'm thinking to myself, hang on, it, the rain falls from the sky for two to three minutes before it hits the ground. 
so the Lord had to have heard my prayer at least two to three minutes before to stop the rain so that the gap in the rain falling was coming down and the gap hits the ground just while the car goes through and then the rain starts again. And that type of thing happens a lot. You should start analysing your prayers and the answers to them and see, look for God's timeless and powerful work in them because you'll be amazed. You'll start to see God had known details. Details on the answer to your prayer had to have been worked out in many cases before you had prayed the prayer, and it's the most amazing thing at all. So the, the story of Esther, it's a, it's a crazy story. It's one of the most interesting stories in the Bible in terms of not only is it true and not only is it in an interesting time period, but it's just the story itself is so gripping and interesting. But even though they, the word God is not mentioned in the book, the Lord is so in the book. The way people pray, the way the Lord answers, the way the Lord prepares in advance, the way he responds, the way the story is flipped over. In, in one kind of way, it's a picture of our salvation where it's completely turned around. What, what was such a terrible position turns around to be such a wonderful position. This is our Lord we're talking about. He is the God of gods. So Lord, we thank you that you are the God of gods. You're wonderful. You're powerful. You act outside of time. You, you're sovereign. You know when to act and you know when to be silent. You know when to step in and when to step out. Lord, your grace is at work in our lives. And I thank you for this story of Esther that shows us how much we can trust on you. And Lord, help us to be prayerful. Help us to our lives to be given to you, our knees to be bended, our hearts to be surrendered. Let grace be ours in Jesus' name. Amen. 